weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Yes, big thanks to Johnny's for taking us through this afternoon here on 2FM. It is Tuesday, February 14th. I'm Shane Dawson and you are listening to Game On. Coming up this evening, Champions League returns. Mark Langdon and David Connolly set us up for a big week in the round of 16. Plus, we'll be live to Alan Cawley in the San Siro ahead of Milan v Spurs. In Gaelic football, we'll ask Kerry's Sean O'Shea about reaching last season's heights once again. Plus in hurling, Shane McGrath will fill us in on a very special game in honour of Dylan Quirk this weekend. All of that, plus the rest of today's news, makes up the show. If you want to get in touch, please do. You can text us on 51552 or tweet us at Game On 2 fm Yes, hello there, good evening. It is great to have your company on this Tuesday evening, wherever in the world you are tuning in from. A couple of news headlines to get through before we chat to our guests uh, this evening, starting with Munster. Orgy Snyman is in line for a return to action next month with Munster after enduring a horrific spell of injury since his move to the province in 2022. ACL ruptures have meant that the South African World Cup winner lined out just four times while he also suffered burns injuries in a fire pit accident back in 2021. However, this this week's medical bulletin from the province who face Ospreys in the URC on Friday night provided a welcome boost for the 28-year-old Locke staying with Munster and one player who isn't staying is Malachi Fekatoa. The 2015 World Cup winner will depart the province at the end of the season. The Ireland men's hockey team will line up in the FIH Pro League next season after receiving an invitation from the International Hockey Federation to replace South Africa. Ireland finished runners-up to South Africa in the inaugural Nations Cup tournament last November that thrilling final losing 4-3 the competition winners gained promotion to the Pro League uh, for 23-24 season replacing the nation that will finish bottom at the end of the current season however South Africa have decided not to take up their place as runners up in the Nations Cup and Ireland have been invited by the FIH to replace them and have chosen to do so so happy days for the Irish men's hockey team finally the FIFA Council made up of representatives from all the continental confederations unanimously selected the Middle East state as host for the seven team event that is the Middle East state of Saudi Arabia so the uh, Club World Cup is scheduled to run from 12 to the 22nd of December that's going to be in Saudi Arabia the country has also uh, been reported to be bidding to co-host the 2030 Men's World Cup with Egypt and Greece alongside rival bids uh, confirmed from Spain, Portugal Ukraine and one from four South American nations the council confirmed uh, the FIFA Congress would make a decision on who would host those finals in the third quarter of next year so more football in Saudi Arabia Uh, from Saudi Arabia to Milan I believe Alan Carley is on the line. Ciao, Alan. Evening, Shane. How are you? I'm very well. I'd rather be in Milan, to be fair, but with due respect to Orty Radio Studios, but I'd say you're you're a bit better. How's 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 Milan? How's the weather? All is good, Shane. All is good. Yeah, I'm standing outside the San Siro here now, uh, two hours from kickoff, sampling the atmosphere. The place is uh, building nicely, so it is. I was in the city centre all day. Love is in the air with Valentine's Day as well, <laughs> Shane. So no better place to be on this Champions League Tuesday night. And no better man to be talking to than Alan Carley on Valentine's <laughs> Eve. I tell you, is it your first time in the San Siro? I've been over there before. No, I was in it a few years back. Um, okay. But I have the little lad with me today, Shane. So it's more about the experience for him than anything else and obviously he's a big Spurs fan as, as we all know at this stage <laughs> so he's looking forward to the game but he was nearly going to bring his boots himself because they're obviously struggling for midfielders tonight very, um, very yeah, much we're, so we're, we're really looking forward to it now yeah so we're just outside here stadium looks as impressive 
offensive as you could imagine. It's just unbelievable. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. It's old school. I, I haven't been to San Siro, but I've been told by, by friends I've been over there. I've been to the Stadio Olimpico in Rome, but, but San Siro, again, that, that kind of uh, retro is sexy kind of look and feel about those Italian stadiums. Um, Career Alan, my next question, you might want to, to cover your, your son's ears here because I don't think he's going to like the answer to this one, but Spurs are going to be up against it. What sort of uh, match will we, we be hoping to see? I'm, I don't know. I'm not too optimistic for Spurs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, Shane. Obviously, we were over last week at the game against Man City and it was probably their best performance of the season. They were outstanding. And if that if that Spurs showed up, you'd fancy them uh, even in the away leg here against AC Milan, not just in the home leg. But obviously, they've been hit with injuries since then. They've suffered the defeat against Leicester. Typical Spurs beat Man City and then you followed up with a defeat to Leicester. And as I said, the injuries to Bentancourt, Lloris, Hoiberg is suspended tonight. So it'll be interesting to see just in terms of the lineup what he goes with. There's talk of maybe Eric Dyer being moved into midfield or bringing in Papa Sar, who there's a lot of talk about a summer signing and Oliver Skip who's more of a backup player as well so the, the only thing is the fact that they're playing AC Milan who are not great themselves and they've been on a bad run of form they got their first victory in I think six matches on Friday night beating Torino Giroud scored mm. uh, so that'll give them a bit of confidence going into this but I still fancy Spurs even with those injuries still to get through the tie after that who knows Shane because they've just been so up and down and just when I thought that the, the corner had been turned with a couple of positive victories over the last two or three weeks to throw in that performance against Leicester at the weekend that was so disappointing You're more optimistic than I am I tell you that much but like even even the messages <laughs> coming out from, from, from Conte saying you know, he's working on making his players more resilient under pressure and he believes that, that the answer to the problems lie in-house and he, and he would put the trust in the likes of young Pape Sar. he mentioned Ollie Skip I think as well that um, you know he wants them to what was the quote here? Suffer to overcome the difficulty in the right way. I mean, it's it's probably more concerning if your players aren't up for it and if they're not mentally right. If they're doing something wrong tactically or, or physically, you, you can improve that nearly immediately on the, on the training pitch. But if it's a mindset thing, that must be extremely worrying. Yeah, well, but for the likes of those two that you mentioned, Papa Sar and obviously Oliver Skip, they should be chomping at the bit, really, because their opportunities have been limited because of how good Benton Core has been and Hoiberg, who's a mainstay in the team. So now this is their opportunity. Whether they're good enough to step up, I think Papa Sar is only new, to be fair, so and there was a lot of hype about him when he signed and um, I think I would very much reserve my judgment on him until you see a run of games from him but I've seen Oliver Skip many times now and I just don't think he's at the level required whether it be Champions League level or a team fighting for the top four or five uh, but again as I said Shane because of the injuries it's an opportunity for him to maybe come in and stake a claim Conte has to kind of big them up a little bit in the sense that he has to he has to um, obviously pick from within because he has no other choice no other option so he has to try and give them some sort of confidence but I still go back to the fact that they're playing AC Milan I think he'll be happy with the game tonight uh, whether it be once they don't suffer defeat and fancy his chances of beating them in the home leg in a couple of weeks after that as I said you you might have looked at maybe a fully strength Spurs and thinking maybe they could get to a quarter final semi-final if those injuries obviously carry on and obviously Benton is a long one I can't see them getting further than uh, maybe the quarter final if they do get through this tight how big is a boost is having contact back as well obviously he was missing with um, the was it gallbladder surgery as well which is a very mm. serious um, uh, I say I suppose not injury isn't the right word a very serious health issue uh, you know on a, on a grander scale as well but to have contact back um, must be a boost even from that mental point of view to have your manager back to have the voice back and to have him back in the sidelines and, and preparing for the match of this magnitude 
Yeah, absolutely. And with all the experience that he carries and obviously the fact that they're playing Italian opposition as well, uh, it's great to have him back and I'm sure the players will be delighted about that, Shane. Um, now, some of the, there's been mixed messages coming out of Conte. Some people are suggesting in his press conferences and he can be quite downbeat and negative, but he's had a lot to contend with. He's lost two of his best friends, uh, obviously, earlier in the season as well. Mm. Uh, the deaths of Viali, Mihailovic, that stuff he, that has knocked him back. Obviously, as you said, the... the um, well, injury, mm. yeah, his own issue that he had to contend with as well, and he he had to go into hospital for surgery as well. So he's had plenty to deal with off the pitch himself. Um, but to be fair to Daniel Levy, I think he's backed him so far, and I think Conte has to focus all eyes now on the stuff on the pitch and start turning turning around those kind of disappointing performances against the likes of Leicester into more positive ones, like we saw against Man City. Because I still think there's a squad of players there to get themselves into the top four. They're still in obviously FA Cup competition, Champions League. Who knows? As I said, I can't see them going further than maybe a quarter-final with the injuries, but a fully-strength team, they could maybe um, pit their wits against um, maybe one of the top teams on any given day, but um, it'll be hard to see, hard to, to know, but until the team sheet comes out here at 8 o'clock, we won't know, but he'll have to go with Skip and he'll have to go with Papasar. OK, and if we do get team news, we will uh, give it to our listeners here when it does come in. My final question to Alan Colley, where are the seats? Up in the gods? Are you pitch side or, or what's the what's the? No, crack? good seats, Shane. Good seats. We were well looked after, don't worry. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. I'm not going up into any of those back seats, Shane. I've got seats. Centre circle, you know, halfway line, me and Harry will be, we'll be living like kings tonight, so we will, Shane. <laughs> and so you should. No better well-connected, man. Listen, Alan Colley, enjoy it. And I hope Harry enjoys it too. Brilliant. Thanks, Shane. All the best. <laughs> no worries, Alan. Ciao. Um, okay. Mark Langdon joins me now. Mark, you're not in... Where are you based at the moment, Mark? Anywhere glorious? Um, no, no, very much not. Essex, um, oh, okay. uh, just outside of London. Um, I wish I was at San Siro too, though. I mean, one of, you know, the real cathedrals of, of football. It, it might be rusty and um, in, in need of one or two licks of paint, but, mm. it, you know, it's seen everything that stadium. So, you know, you... you, you is one of the sort of top footballing you know venues in, in Europe in sort of Europe for mm. sure. Absolutely, I'd love to get over. You want to get to these old stadiums. So was my biggest regret. I didn't get to Highbury or an Upton Park, even in England and stuff like that before. Uh, before they went. But listen, you're in Essex, the the Milan of London, some might say. Who knows? <laughs> um, come here. We were chatting about uh, Spurs and the the mental side of things. I mean when you look at they showed plenty of guts and resilience qualifying for the Champions League knockout stages uh, if people do remember back in November they were heading out of the tournament in the final group match after conceding uh, in Marseille but scored two second half goals including a 95th minute winner from Hoiberg who of course is suspended uh, this evening uh, they claimed a memorable 2-1 win and secured their, their progress as, as Group D winners but uh, how much do you feel they've regressed since then or has it just been a bit stop start and it's not too big of an issue. Yeah, I think it has been two stop start and just really inconsistent. I know easy to say that after um, you know beating Man City and losing um, to Leicester, but um, I, I feel like it's been you know that way for much of this season really, where they've shown in sh- you know short bursts that they are a very dangerous team going forward, but there's been too many 
um, periods of play where um, you know they they just haven't looked like a, a top four team, and quite often they've they've relied upon Harry Kane or Kulusevski um, to dig them out of a hole. Um, and you know while you've got those type of players, you've always got a chance. But um, the team as a whole just hasn't functioned properly for for much of this season, and that will be frustrating for Antonio Conte because he's very much a process manager. You know he. It believes in sort of giving these players lots of information. They do the same drills day after day after day. And, you know, normally when you see an Antonio Conte team play, you know what you're going to get. Um, they play to a very similar standard most weeks, and the patterns of play are defined. With Tottenham, it, it just hasn't felt like that this season. Uh, last season was different. They, they, they did kind of get that um, Conte way of playing, you know, and, and qualified for the Champions League. But even in reaching the last 16 that was very up and down the draw looked quite comfortable on paper against Marseille Sporting and Eintracht Frankfurt but they uh, made a mess of it um, for, for large parts of that and looked like they were heading out until they actually put in a really strong second half performance away to Marseille uh, that, that secured um, that, that their spot in the last 16 so you're never quite sure what Tottenham is going to turn up and you know that will be annoying I would have thought to Antonio Conte because consistency is one of the things usually associated with these teams. Absolutely. And I want to welcome another gentleman into the conversation. David Connolly, former Premier League striker in Republic of Ireland International, joins myself and Mark Langdon. David, how are you? Good evening, lads. Very well. Good, good. Um, sticking with Spurs there and, and Mark and, and Alan Colley a little bit earlier outlined their, their inconsistency and the story so far. And Alan has set the scene from, from Milan and we're all very jealous of that, of course. But um, listen, David, I suppose <laughs> the, the easy question to ease you into the conversation, what is going wrong with Spurs at the moment? And are you surprised oh. with the inconsistency? Well, I mean, look, uh, you know, it, it, if we just look at the goals from the weekend, right? I mean the goals they conceded were dreadful and you know you, you can't be too um, blasé about it but at the level that, that they're trying to play at and Antonio Conte is trying to play at I mean without without particularly picking on one player but if you look at uh, the first couple of goals you know for me Jaffet Tanganga is all over the place on the goals you know um, Iannaccio's in possession you know, he allows him to slip the ball to Madison. You know, uh, he's got to kind of cut that pass off. All these little bits of details, like the actual fundamentals of of defending, have been terrible. I mean, he got ghosted past, I think, for for Harvey Barnes' disallowed goal. Um, then he got dragged off Tanganga. So look, he, he got his starting team defensively completely wrong. What does he do tonight? You know, probably start Davidson Sanchez. Um, so I think defensively they've been, you know, absolutely ripped to pieces against Leicester. And if they kind of defend like that tonight, they'll be in trouble. Although obviously Milan not in great, great form, but they had a win at the weekend. Um, uh, um, uh, Zlatan is probably on the bench. You know, they've got goal scorers, Giroud. Um, you know, Liao is top class. So. Uh, to be honest, it all starts and ends with 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 anything, you know, defensively. Like it, it, it does. I mean, you know, for Conte, he'll be absolutely pulling his hair out with that defending um, at the weekend because it was terrible against Leicester. Wouldn't want to be pulling out hair now with that alleged hair job, but however, mere speculation, mere speculation. But he's, he's grown it back well. Um, Mark Langdon, 
Uh, set the scene for Spurs fans then from Milan. I know uh, Alan said they, they haven't been going great. I think the, the win over Torino was the end of a three-game losing streak. So what should we be expecting from them? Yeah, I mean, this is a, a Milan team that actually comes into it pretty much the same way as Spurs. They got that 1-0 victory over Torino on Friday. I watched the game um, and it was a, a horrible performance from them. The type that you expect from a team that's out of form and in the first half they should have been behind. They managed to keep it to 0-0. Giroud scored a trademark goal from across in the second half and you know things start to look a lot better when you've managed to get a victory. But this is a team in recent weeks um, you know, that, that conceded four at Lazio, conceded five at home to Sassuolo, have lost two derbies against Inter, are missing some very important players themselves you know we've already gone through the Tottenham injuries but Ben Asair the player that really makes them tick in central midfield not available for the game uh, Magnon the, the goalkeeper and again Tottenham are missing their goalkeeper but so too uh, uh, Milan the, the guy they call Magic Mike who's set to take over from Hugo Lloris in, in terms of the French national team was, was a big part of why they won the, the championship last season he's out and the reserve goalkeeper Tatarasanu is not at the same level that, that's for sure so I think that you know while Tottenham have got problems at the back and in goal. You could say the same about um, Milan. You've got to watch those balls into the box for Giroud because he's still fantastic at making that sort of near run, um, near near post run and and getting his head on to to the end of the crosses. And Leal, um, particularly on the counter-attack, is absolutely devastating. He's not been in the best of form in recent months and there's a contract dispute at the moment, which is um, meant he actually lost his place in the team for, for a couple of those games. But he's too good, really, for Milan not to play him, uh, I would have thought, in a game like this. So very dangerous down the left-hand side with Liao, Teo Hernandez as well as a wing-back. So I think Tottenham need to stop the service into Giroud. And if they do that, they've got the the strikers to to cause um, Milan problems. But um, as David was just mentioning, you know, defensively, Tottenham have not been good enough. And so, you know... that's got to be the first thing for them tonight too. And Romero's return will improve them, I'm sure, defensively. But, um, you know, um, Milan are dangerous going forward, but I wouldn't trust them at the back either. Well, hopefully we're in for a, a goal fest and that's how we'll remember this match as opposed to back in 2011 when Milan and Spurs was remembered for, of course, Joe Jordan versus Gennaro Gattuso, which uh, the pictures have been doing uh, the rounds on social media, which has been uh, a throwback, a nice, a nice little memory. Uh, two questions uh, for you both, Mark. I'll uh, stick with yourself. Will Spurs win this evening and will Spurs progress to the quarterfinals? Uh, I'll go for no in terms of winning tonight. But I think they'll probably just about edge the two-legged tie. Okay. So no and yes. No um, and yes. David Conley, same question to yourself. Um, look, I, I think I think he's probably, hopefully, for Antonio, he's got that performance out of the way. Um, I think he'll make changes. Whether he'll, I don't know if he'll play Perisic again. He won't play Tanganga. I think he might. I don't know. He might bring in Richarlison. I, I think with Harry Kane, you've always got a chance. That's Tottenham for me. Tottenham for you. Okay, uh, let us move on to the live game on RT2 tonight. Of course, is uh, PSG and Bayern Munich. And if you like final repeats, well, this one is the one for you. The pair played each other in the 2020 final with Bayern winning one nil a year later, and things got even tighter with their quarter final finishing three all, and the parasite advancing on away goals. A rule, of course, has now been scrapped. So Mark Langdon can World Cup winner Lionel Messi, alongside losing finalist Kylian Mbappe. If fit, pull off another statement win over six-time champions Bayern Munich. I'll 
They definitely can. Um, Paris Saint-Germain, particularly at home, um, a, a big threat um, in, in the Champions League. The problem for Paris is that they just seem to have these like crazy five or ten minute periods in a in a, in a tie. It's not even in a game. Sort of across the, you know, they, they can dominate 150 minutes of the 180 minutes, and then they just have a bad moment, and you know they're unable to t- kind of tough it out. So um, they they definitely are um, a capable team. The Mbappe um, sort of recovery from injury, I think, is absolutely massive because uh, Bayern Munich. You know, we know um, under Julian Nagelsmann like to defend high and like to press um, the opposition and that just allows kind of half the pitch for Mbappe to run into. You've got to be good enough to, um, you know, supply him those passes but um, PSG I think will fancy their chances of doing that. How fit he is we don't know so, you know, whether he's you know, quite at the level that he's capable of, um, you know, we, we will have to wait and see. But with Messi, Neymar and Mbappe up front and Verratti and Fabian Ruiz in midfield and Hakimi uh, as one of the wing-backs, Nuno Mendes on the other side, I mean, it's a very strong Paris Saint-Germain team. And um, if they can sort out their mental issues, and I think it is a lot of mental sort of concerns I've got for them because you know when things go wrong they're unable to just accept it and you know and just you know alright we've conceded a goal let's make sure we don't do anything stupid for 10 minutes usually what happens with Paris is they'll concede a goal and then panic and all of a sudden that leads to, to further problems but I mean if you go through the whole team with Donnarumma in goal and Ramos and Marquinhos at the back as well I mean it's very strong there's no reason why you know they can't go very deep in, in this competition it's just they, they've kind of just got to eradicate those stupid mistakes that they have made for the best part of a decade now, isn't it? Just somewhere along the line, they, they just do something absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. David, this is one that we hope to be a classic. Do you feel we will mm. get a classic? I, I tell you, I hope so. I mean, as Mark is touching on there, right? I mean, they do have all the stars, the galaxy of stars, you know, but they kind of remind me a bit of how AC Milan were, you know, in terms of their form, like, they were dreadful the last couple. Uh, Kimbembe's sort of pleading for patience from the fans. Um, it's a risk to play Mbappe. Look, if he's fit, we'll play. But mm. the return leg's not till the 8th of March. You know, so in the back of, in the back of you know, the manager's mind, you'll be thinking, well, that's kind of nearly three weeks. Like, do I need to risk him in this first leg at home? Look, he might do. We'll wait and see. However, I mean, Bayern Munich, I mean, to me, they have got a, a sort of front part of the pitch that is absolutely second to none. I don't know how they're going to keep them out, to be honest. That'll be the challenge for PS, PSG tonight. I mean, how are they going to stop Muziala, Gnabry, Zane, Muller, you know, Goretzka? Kimmich is back. He served the ban. You know, Alfonso Davies didn't even play the other day. So, I mean, goodness me, they, are, they have got some team by Munich. So, I think... I think PSG, I've got it. I've got it. I think they've got it all to do, to be honest. My money, if I was going to put any on, would be on Bayern Munich. I suppose following that up then with how good Bayern Munich are, uh, Mark Langdon, they're unbeaten in all competitions since September 17th. But you compare that to PSG's recent form, lost a couple of matches. Messi was missing for the, the weekend defeat to Monaco. Yeah, I mean, that performance against Monaco at the weekend was shocking, really, from um, PSG. I feel like they they do lose focus domestically. Um, you know, the the World Cup was obviously a, a, a big moment for for Messi, also for Mbappe. You know, having sort of been the top scorer, but of course, um, you know, w- w- was on the losing side. Neymar's had to react from um, you know Brazil's 
failure um, again. So maybe we shouldn't be that surprised that they're sort of slowly back to trying to find their best form and uh, Christoph Gaultier the coach will be hoping that um, you know the minds will be fully focused by the Champions League they know domestically um, they're probably you know they're, they're almost certain to win the league but I think it's very difficult to turn it on and then turn it off again and you know it was only this time last week that they were getting beat in the uh, French Cup by Marseille so um, defensively um, as David was saying that they've got problems and they've got it all to do um, mentioned all of those attacking players that Bayern have got and then you know Davis and Cancelo as the fullbacks as, as well so I mean I can only see um, this being a, a great game full of goals um, at both ends absolutely cannot wait to watch this one Absolutely for the casual fan and for the uh, football nerd this is one to watch and speaking of football nerds I don't know if anyone's aware of this this is probably where the, the listenership shoots down now because I went down a bit of a rabbit hole earlier about Bayern and PSG in the past and I never knew this and correct me now Mark or David feel free to, to cut me off here if you knew that UEFA didn't allow clubs to have the same sponsor on the jerseys when they played each other were you aware of this? No, no, it wasn't. So back back in 97 when they played, they were both sponsored by Opal and the home team had Opal. The away team were unsponsored. And then in the return leg, the home team had Opal and Bayern had a, a charity sponsor on. And then when they played a few years later as well, one had the symbol, the other had a corset and something else. So there, a bit of useless information uh, for you on a Tuesday, yeah? Huh? Uh, well, oh. hey, it's, uh, it's PSG, Bayern and Ireland. All the best teams, huh? Sponsored yeah. by Opal in the past, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least PSG and Bayern have a kit at the moment, but whatever. Um, gentlemen, I want to stick with the uh, Champions League theme and um, the UEFA report that came out uh, on the Champions League final in Paris and the report uh, produced by the panel. Uh, UEFA appointed to review the chaos that it engulfed the final between Liverpool and Real Madrid in Paris last May and the independent panel concluded that European football's governing body UEFA as event owner bared primary responsibility for failures which almost led to disaster. It criticised the reprehensible attempt by authorities to incorrectly claim thousands of Liverpool fans without valid tickets uh, caused the problems. So Liverpool fans not to blame, not to, to blame I should say, UEFA bearing primary responsibility, the police and, and federation as well. It was just handled awfully. Mark, I, I suspect this is a report that's come out with, uh, there's no great surprise to the findings. No, no, um, you know, and uh, I suppose at least got uh, some way um, towards sort of, you know, um, accepting that responsibility. I mean, it was a shameful night um, for UEFA and for um, the, the French authorities. Um, they were so lucky um, that um, it didn't end much, much worse. And, you know, I don't think that it was it was anything they did that stopped that, really. It was just, it was pure luck that, um, that, that, that you know, uh, it, it wasn't. It wasn't that much worse. I mean, I was working for Australian TV um, that night, so I wasn't actually at the stadium. But I've spoken to people um, that were there, and um, they all have come back with just horrific eyewitness accounts of um, how dangerous um, it was, particularly in that sort of queue underneath the, mo- the, the, the motorway bridge that was, um, you know, becoming a crush um, as, as it moved closer to kickoff time. Um, you know. <laughs> They've accepted some. They've obviously accepted responsibility. Uh, whether that's enough for the Liverpool fans, I, I'm not so sure. Um, I don't see sort of 
any, um, as, you know, the, the, the French are still able to have the, the Rugby World Cup and, and, and other big sporting events. Let's hope that they've learned from those. I mean, it's very different to a Champions League final, so um, you know, maybe um, it shouldn't be kind of um, seen in, in, in the same sort of eyes because it will be very different, I, I would have thought, for um, the, the World Cup. But um, I, I, I'm not sure that they should be getting a Champions League final anytime soon. Um, you know, I would... Uh, and I'm sure if, even if they do, that there, there'll be a lot of fans um, that wouldn't want to go um, mm. if, if, if it was in France anytime soon, in Paris rather. Yeah, seeing those those horrific scenes as well. And I think Sky reporting, but even the likes of Andy Robertson's family who had Liverpool mm. official tickets were denied entry for, for allegedly having fake tickets and so on. Like, I mean, it was just... You know, on that, that wake up on, on what it will do going forward David I mean the report makes 21 recommendations um, the panel I think recalled the findings of a French Senate inquiry last year that that, that this chaos and, and the scenes there should act as a wake up call for the big events that Mark alluded to the, say the, the Rugby World Cup and indeed the, the Olympics mm. uh, in Paris as well yeah. in 2024 w- will it act as a wake up call though or is this just rhetoric oh. Well, the worry is that it would be exactly just that. I mean, um, a a friend of mine went, a diehard Liverpool fan, took his two kids, who are the same age as my kids, 10 and 12 years old, should have been the best day, night of their lives. It ended up the worst. You know, uh, they crushed, nearly crushed, chased afterwards by local thugs. I mean, it was absolutely horrific, as Mark was talking about. You know, when you speak to people who have actually been there, you know, absolutely dreadful. And there should be severe sanctions consequences because, you know, this could have been a, a, a terrible tragedy. Like, you know, uh, uh, I mean, it's just unacceptable. And an apology is not enough. You know, well, an apology is not enough for what went on. It was disgraceful. And, you know, um, they, 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 they've, they, they've got to be hit hard because, you know, uh, hitting where it hurts, like, like Mark's saying, maybe take take sporting events off them you know because totally unacceptable you know really was yeah no I wholeheartedly agree with all of those sentiments and it was uh, very much welcomed uh, not only from a Liverpool's fans perspective but from from the footballing community uh, for want of a better phrase in terms of anyone who who enjoys sport even just to to see that this report has come out and that to to find that the individuals and the organisations to blame well, it was in plain sight for many people to see, even though it took, what, six months for this uh, to go on. Um, my last question to you both comes from a listener who texted in. Could you ask your guests of the Premier League teams which of these could win the Champions League this year? David Conley, have I come to you first? Um, goodness me. Or, or will um, any? <laughs> Do any have the capability? <laughs> Well, I, I I guess on their on their given day they do. Now you would say right, Man City. If it, you know it, it, now Pep, Pep's been under a lot of pressure, right? And you know sometimes um, the, the 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 financial issues that have been levelled against them can galvanise you. Well, we saw in the first half the other night it certainly did. They're outstanding. Look, if Haaland's fit, you know the team they've got, they've probably got. You would say they've got the best chance, right? And also. You know, it's the one thing Guardiola hasn't won. Hmm. And when is he going to win it? Well, you know, this might be the year. So if I was going to pick one team, it, it, it would be Man City. Yeah, the Champions League alluding Guardiola at Manchester City, of course. Mark Langdon, would you share those sentiments in terms of our, our listeners' question? 
Yeah, I mean, well, City are um, the most obvious uh, of the Premier League teams. I mean, I would just say that Chelsea have twice won the Champions League, and if you would have said in sort of the January-February time, do they look like winners on both of those occasions, you would have said absolutely not. Tuchel had just taken over in one of those. Di Matteo um, was soon to take over. Um, and, you know, they're actually in chaos managed to come through in the Champions League and they, they don't look like winners at the moment but if you sort of reel off the names that they've got in that squad it's still a, a, a you know a team that is absolutely stacked full of talent and a game against Borussia Dortmund I think is very winnable in the last 16 you know in a month's time Chelsea could suddenly start to have gelled and we're saying wow look at Enzo Fernandez, look at João Felix um, you know, they've got Thiago Silva still at the back. Reese James is returning from injury. I'm not sure that they will win it, but I mean, I wouldn't want to absolutely rule out um, a, a team of Chelsea's calibre, albeit we haven't actually seen it too often this season. You know, there, there's still time, I think, for them to come good. I don't think we've seen it at all this season. <laughs> Graham Potter at his Chelsea and his 42 man squad, or however much it is <laughs> these days. Um, Sticking with the Premier League uh, theme then, because I know our, our conversation is, is coming to an end, but David, uh, given you're a former Southampton player and I know you are uh, close enough with a few executives and coaches there, I think it's fair to say, Jesse Marsh is primed to succeed Nathan Jones as Southampton manager. Is this the right move for the club if it does go through? Oh, um, I don't know is the, is the answer. Um, I think his period at Leeds, you'd say... I know he kept them up the first the first season, but I think it's kind of inconclusive, like what sort of coach he is exactly. Uh, from for for me, I don't watch Leeds every week, so it's difficult to say. Um, what I would say is it's been a mess there, Southampton, for 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 a couple of seasons now. And even when Gavin Bazunu went there, I said, you know it's a good move for him but that is a club that's in trouble and then the manager left and then now another manager's left and I mean they have got it all to do and and time is running out if Marsh is the right man it's difficult because I don't think he's got you know he hasn't got this you know similar sort of players at Southampton he can't change them they're very young very inexperienced they concede an awful lot of goals um, it's hard to find a compar- that they're a comparable team to, to Leeds and, and and why Southampton have landed on Jesse Marsh is another interesting one because it is probably it, it, it's a you know he's, he's quite dissimilar to Nathan Jones and how they ended up with with Nathan so I'm, I'm not sure I hope it goes well for him but I, I've got to say like I'm I, I'm undecided I'm unsure because I, cu- I couldn't quite tell you exactly how he's going to get this Southampton team playing because they are absolutely on the floor you know, he is positive. He can get him going. You know, he, he speaks really well. But, but he, he, you know, this is a side that is absolutely on their, on their knees. They are, they are down and out. It's going to take a miracle to keep them up now. Bigger picture for Southampton, just on that Irish angle. How concerned would you be for, for Gavin Bazunu in terms of, of just keeping the head up when you're conceding so many goals well, and when you're down and out yeah. like that? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I touched on this when he went there because I said, look, it's a Premier League move for him, but that that I knew Ralph was on borrowed time there, and it's a club that was, was you could tell was going to go through a transition pretty quickly. Look, they've got money behind them. I think Sport Republic there will get it right, but for, for Gavin, he's obviously conceded an awful lot of goals. He's only young. His confidence has been shaken. I've seen him, 
you know, make make some handling errors, make 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 some crossing errors, maybe shots he could keep out. But one thing is, he's he's certainly been peppered. He's got a lot to do, and he'll come through this because he's only young. Like he's only young. The issue will be, he might be then playing in the championship. Mm. You know, and where will Cueven Kelleher go in the summer? You know, so the tables can 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 turn pretty quickly in terms of that island number one slot. But look, Gavin is is is. I, I think if they went down, would he leave? He's been linked you know, with Chelsea, hasn't in, he? Yeah. Well, would someone come in? Into, I, I I still think he could do with playing, uh, even if they went down. St- you know, staying there, get, you know, getting some games. Get, get, you know, get, uh, getting behind a settled defensive unit. You know, it's that back four for them or back five has changed so often, and you know, he's, the club's been in a real state of flux. I think it's been difficult circumstances for Gavin, which is kind of what I said when he went there. So. Um, but he'll be much the better goalkeeper for it. But and he's still such a pup. I mean, he's he's got, you know, he's got loads of learning to do. And I, and I think even if he did play in a championship for a season or whatever with Southampton, I don't I don't necessarily think that would do him any harm. No, absolutely. That regular football w- would only benefit him. Hopefully, wherever he goes. And I think the move to Chelsea, you know, mere speculation online at the moment. I probably shouldn't be the right move because he would be playing yeah. second fiddle to whoever I mean, it is. Look, similar to yeah, Keller. He went, yeah, I mean, look, he he went from Portsmouth, right? And he did really well, League One, you know. And it's a it's a big it's a it's a big jump. Although he's got the ability to to Southampton, but with a with a very very young defensive unit in front of him, and he's a young goalkeeper as well. But he, he'll be absolutely fine. But he's gone into a club that is in difficulty. That's for sure. Absolutely. David Connolly, Mark Langdon, thank you both very much uh, for joining us this evening on Game On. Uh, sticking with uh, Ireland and one of the call-ups to Vera Powell's Republic of Ireland squad, Aoife Mannion, was today speaking about her switching of allegiance to the Republic of Ireland from England. And she came very close to playing for the senior England team. The 27-year-old Manchester United defender, both of her parents are from the west of Ireland, represented England all the way up to under 23 levels. She was on the bench for the senior team four times back when Phil Neville was boss back in 2019. 19, a whisker away from being a full England international. Having been called into the squad for the first time ahead of next week's friendly against China in Spain, Mannion insists pulling on the green jersey was always and is her ultimate dream. My parents met in England. They were obviously um, from Ireland. They met in England. They'd moved over for work. Um, and so they came over and sort of joined an Irish community in Birmingham, hence why my sister grew up in the in Irish dancing community. Um, I played Gaelic uh, locally at a little team called Shaw McDermott's and then for Warwickshire as well. Um, and so all of the Irish traditions, um, Gaelic, um, Irish dancing, going to mass, everything like that has felt like quite traditional. Um, obviously, I've been born in England, but apart from that, all of my family are actually Irish and from Ireland. And so when I got the call up last week, I can't tell you how many messages I've had from family members saying, you know, how exciting that is to be part of it. Um, so really, to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen my, my parents so proud of anything that I've ever done. And I've sort of been around football for a little while now and been managed to be involved in a few bits. And I must say, I think that if they died tomorrow, that they, they would probably be happy. <laughs> That's how excited they are. So um, it's quite like an exciting time for me personally. Hello there, would help if I put up my fader. The uh, intricacies of radio. Uh, Shane McGrath joins us now to chat hurling uh, and a very special hurling match that is uh, taking place this weekend. Shane, it is Tipperary versus Kilkenny, but not as we know it. All uh, funds going towards the Dylan Quirk Foundation. 
Yeah, how's it going, Shane? Listen, I just say thanks so much for um, letting me come on and just just speak about this. I was uh, they had a long puck final the other night, Shane, down in County Rossmore, and uh, you know I don't know what it says about the rest of my club mates, but I actually ended up winning it in my <laughs> club, so I had to go down to represent the club. I was a country mile away from the winner, but uh, it was great to be down there. And look, it was it's just great now to be able to come on and just speak briefly about it, um, Shane. I suppose a lot of people would would, would realise. What happened on the 5th of August last year in Simple Stadium, Dylan Quirk unfortunately died from sudden adult death syndrome. And uh, what, as a result of it, I suppose, the Dylan Quirk Foundation has been set up by by his family. And, uh, you know, and the, the aim of it, Shane, really is that they want to screen every GA player, both male and female, from the age of 12 upwards. And I think it's 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 a great legacy and a great thing to have in Dylan's memory, um, that if they can make a difference in in someone's life, uh, it'll 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 be brilliant and it'll it'll mean an awful lot and bring them some solace in 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 their you know tragic loss of um, of, of Dylan to to their family and to the club at Clonolty and to <clears throat> and to Tipperary as well and the wider area. Shane, I mean, hmm. we were down there. We were we were at his funeral and I suppose I was talking to you earlier today and you said that sport has no there's no barriers or no borders with sport and just to see the outpouring of emotion that day. And I suppose I suppose the easy thing for us, Shane, or, you know, from the outside, from not being from Clonality, was that we were able to, to go home to our own families and they still had to live with this. But I think that this has definitely helped them some way, this setting up the Dillon Quirk Foundation. And on Sunday now, uh, in Simple Stadium, this Sunday, February 19th at 2 o'clock, Tipper playing Kilkenny in a, in a hurling challenge match with all the proceeds going towards the Dillon Quirk Foundation, Shane. And it would do, the great thing about it is that if, if you can't attend, you can purchase a non-attendance ticket and you'll get a fabulous programme. You'll get a, a link to a fabulous programme, which they've done up. And um, it's also available on stream. And, and look, hopefully as many people can go, as can go, will will go uh, with the with no National Hurling League matches on. And uh, yeah, as you said, look, it's for an absolutely fantastic, um, uh, fantastic mm. uh, foundation. Absolutely. You mentioned there the, the tickets there. I'm sure we'll, we'll tweet out uh, links as well. But they are on the Tipperary GA websites and all, all social medias because I was, I was looking earlier and, and the Dylan Quirk Foundation as well, um, as you mentioned there, Shane. So you can get tickets for the game itself, which is in FBD Semple Stadium on, on Sunday. Uh, and you can get your match ticket there or the option of purchasing a non-attendance ticket then will give access to the full match day programme. Uh, and I, I know we were chatting, Shane, but I was chatting to a few other people is it's a great it's a it's not just a, a team sheet piece of paper you might see in a in a Welsh Cup or a burn burn cup match. It's a it's a it's a proper booklet. It's a really, really good cause. Uh, and then again it will be streamed as well and you can purchase the, the stream pass and all money going towards that Dylan Quirk Foundation. Um and that screening you mentioned from from the players of age of twelve uh, years of age upwards I think Andrew Friday the chairman of Clanelty Rossmore of course is also uh, Dylan's uncle uh, says the response in general today I mean they've what 200,000 euro raised so far over 200,000 euro raised so far for the foundation as well and they'd hope to be screening all players within at least two counties um, in the first few years of the foundation I mean that's that's a brilliant start already Shane Oh, it's phenomenal stuff it really is and I, and I was only chanting to Andrew the other, there the other night when I was down in Clonality for the long puck and just to see the the response they got I suppose from all the clubs around Tip and, and, and from Kilkenny as well people coming down people taking part in the long puck donating towards it I look I suppose Shane this has really struck a chord with a lot of people you know because because of who Dylan was because of the circumstances the sudden adult death thing it has taken a lot of people you know 
Um, I think up to <clears throat> 100 young lives every year in Ireland um, are lost to sudden adult death syndrome. So I think just even talking about it and, and all the great things that we, we talk about in sport and everything. And just to say about Kilkenny as well, Shane, I mean, like we've had some fair battles with Kilkenny and there's a fair rivalry there between typical Kilkenny and just the way that they have supported this. But not only this, I mean, I can remember when, when Paddy Stapleton's sister, Amanda, uh, passed away, I think it was actually four or five years ago now, and uh, <clears throat> there was a massive game on in Borussia And to see all the Kilkenny crowd and all the Kilkenny legends that just came out and said, yeah, 100%, we're, we're there, we're going to support you. And just to see the way that, they, that they've got behind this as well. So I think it's a credit not only to Tipperary and Clonalty, but the way the Kilkenny GA and everyone has rode in behind it. And as you said, Shane, and as we said already, it just shows with sport, all sports, GA, when the need is most, people are there for you. The need has been most for, for Dylan Quirk's Dylan Quirk's family and his club and people have rode in behind it. And again, Sunday, I think Sunday now at two o'clock in Turles is a great opportunity for everyone to come together, celebrate Dylan, celebrate, you know, help celebrate this foundation, support it and, and really get it out there that what they want to do is help someone's life and, and, and try and save and save someone from this from sudden adult death syndrome. And I, I just a great foundation and the work they're doing and, and, and credit to everybody involved with it like Absolutely, absolutely. I know you, you, you said at the start there, thanks for, for letting you promote it, but no, I think it's thanks to you for, for coming on and, and taking the call and thanks everyone for arranging this, everyone from, from Andrew Friday and the wider uh, Dylan Quirk Foundation as well to raise awareness for that, like to for, for the numbers being three figures of, of people who lose their lives to sudden so that syndrome is, is not something I was aware of at all as well, so hopefully it brings awareness to it and it does need uh, raise that, that vital money um, to 100,000 raise so far and hopefully we can screen all players boys and girls uh, from age of 12 upwards so as I said just a final mention 2pm in Semple Stadium uh, you can get match tickets to attend the event itself you can get non-attendance tickets as well but you get your match programme or it is also streamed uh, if you can't uh, make it as well you can watch on and Kilkenny Tip should be a fair game as well you know even the even charity matches between Kilkenny and Tip will be a fair game Shane uh, come here listen anything, anything at all with Tip and Kilkenny there's going to be a bit of biting in for a great cause and we have the, 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 the long puck the people who reach the long puck final are there they'll be performing there at, at half time as well I believe Tip first Kilkenny and that as well so look It'll be it'll be a great day, a great day out. You know, if you could bring the family or bring them all along, and uh, the, the more there, the better, and uh, to support the foundation, and uh, you know, get some uh, vital funds there for for the for the sort of lateral death syndrome as well. So, um, yeah. So look, hopefully, hopefully a good day there Sunday, Shane. And look, thanks very much again, Shane. Uh, I know it's it's very much appreciated. And I was speaking to Andrew Friday already today, and he really appreciates all the help from the people in RT there as well that, for 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 promoting it. Like, no worries at all. It is a fantastic cause. Shane McGrath, thank you. You very, very much. We'll be back in a few moments. Game on. GAA. To win it. Let me see. 55 metres out from the target. He has Kicking the into a Hill 16 goal area full of Dublin fans. A tiny little pocket of Kerry supporters way up at the top. Watching, waiting. Up into the air. Is he it going it. the right way? Yes. He's got it. Shawnee O'Shea has scored for Kerry. He's got a goal at four. They are surely in the All-Ireland final. There can hardly be any yeah. more time left. There isn't. 
Very welcome back to the final part of this evening's Game On as we turn our attention to Gaelic Games. And I'm delighted to say Kerry's Sean O'Shea is on the line with thanks to Allianz, who today announced a three-year agreement to become an associate sponsor of the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship. The insurance company also announced that they will back the Camogie Association and the GA Museum at Crow Park. Sean, thanks very much uh, for taking the call first and uh, foremost. How are you? Not too bad, no. Thanks for having me. Good, no bother at all. Um, I suppose uh, to follow that up with, how are you in terms of how's the knee? When will you be back playing, and and how has uh, the rehab been going? Yeah, no, it's been good. Um, body's feeling quite good now, so hopefully we'll get um get back in action all this weekend in Castlebar. Happy days, and hopefully, hopefully to see you back. Um, the Cliffords are back training as well. I'm right in saying. I think I saw a few newspaper headlines today saying that. Yeah, they were. Um, it was great to have them back this week. They're back doing a bit of training this week, so um, you know we're we're getting a few bodies back now as well, and um, it's great to be. I suppose looking forward to the year ahead, really. Rarings go, I assume. Absolutely, yeah. Looking yeah. forward to it. Bigger picture now, I suppose. Looking at it, you have the target on your back now. So, what will the the difference being Kerry this year that perhaps you've already noticed that you know might not have been there because I know every team in the country are always looking for those small improvements even the All-Ireland champions Yeah absolutely I suppose we're no no difference last year really we're just looking at taking each game as it comes and improving improving on areas we need to work out work on as they pop up um, I think that's probably the great thing about the league is that you know, the games are so competitive and that they're so close that whether you come out on the right side or wrong side of result that there's always going to be so much learning from it so I think that's what we're doing this year as well. Hopefully we will see you back on the pitch um, come this weekend in, in Castle Bar and, and if not definitely against Armagh the week after but but this weekend uh, looking at your opponents they've they've drawn both of their opening matches uh, first at home to Galway and then of course uh, letting that five point lead slip against uh, Armagh what are you expecting from them where are Mayo at in, in your opinion at the moment? Yeah I suppose you you always kind of know really with Mayo that they're going to bring just serious intensity and serious work rate to a game. Um, in fairness to them, they're like they're just a supreme supreme team in, in that regard. And um, I think that the early signs for them is they're looking to, to kick the ball a bit more as well under new management. Um, so we know, look, it's going to be a really, really tough challenge going to Castle Bar on a Saturday night. I'm sure it'll be a, a really big crowd and there always is for these Saturday night games. There's a serious appetite for them, so... Um, we're really looking forward to the challenge but we know that we'll have to be at the very very top of the game to, to go up there and try and get something out of it but again they're, they're the nice team to be a part of them. We're, we're looking forward to it Well hopefully you are a part of it serious uh, atmosphere on Saturday evening as well Shawnee listen you're a gentleman really t- t- uh, appreciate you uh, taking the call and hopefully we'll be uh, chatting again soon Very good thanks for having me on Game on Gaelic football Unfortunately, cutting our chat with Sean O'Shea a little bit short because time is against us. Just to update you with some team news from PSG. Messi starts and Bappe's on the bench. 16-year-old Warren Zaire M- Emery also starts for the hosts. Cancelo features for Munich as uh, does Nabry. He's on the bench. Sinead, big thanks to Laura Lee Davis and Ronan Lawler for ensuring today's show went smoothly. David Snade will be in studio tomorrow on Soccer Need. Dean Doherty will be previewing uh, Ladies Gaelic Football and will be uh, previewing Camogie as well the first weekend of League action. Uh, so lots to look forward to tomorrow, lots to look forward to this evening. Better the Silva is up next here on 2FM afternoon, so stick with us. But from all of the game on team, it is. Bye-bye. RTE 2FM